feel like we should just put that at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> we were just recording. Mic check. Welcome back to the second episode of the Maroon Weekly. I'm Austin. And I'm Miles. And let's get right into it. So we're going to start with a news update. So first up, the Frat SIG EP has transitioned into the Epsilon Club, de-associating with its national chapter. Austin, could you read us the uh, statement they put out about that? So the statement provided by the fraternity's president, Varshant Dar, says that both alumni and current members express a general sense of apathy towards the national organization, as well as a general discomfort towards the implicit association association we have with SIGEP chapters across the nation. There are also many of us who feel that Nationals imposes an unreasonable financial strain on our operations which inhibit our recruitment efforts and our ability to hold member events. You can read more of our coverage on that on the Maroon and in print. Uh, also in the news, Teamo Bobati opened inside Campus North last week and it turns out they actually ran out of boba on their first day. Um, I don't know about you, Miles, but like I absolutely hate boba, so won't be ever going there. The wow. Being from California, I'm totally of a different opinion. I would love for a boba place to open on the south side. Pearls just feel so uncomfortable in my mouth. I, like, can't explain it. Hmm. Agree to disagree. <laughs> also in the news, Pulse North reopened on Friday after their uh, mishap with their irrigation system. What? It's not an irrigation <laughs> system. <laughs> it's their fire sprinkler. <laughs> God damn. Okay. <clears throat> That's leaving it in this time. We're putting that in. Okay, that was not quite. Irrigation system. <laughs> I mean, okay, that's. I feel like that's a smaller mishap than uh, got wrecked. Than got wrecked. <laughs> got very Professional natural. language here, because it's like kind of like an irrigation system. You're just irrigating yeah, fire. Yeah, he's correct. It's a fire sprinkler. Fire. You're just irrigating the fire. So now, Miles, did you end up doing anything cool this weekend? Yeah, I actually got to go downtown to the women's march and hang out with some U Chicago students and ask about why they were there and what they thought about the event. What's the objective? Okay, um, my name is Michaela. I'm a fourth year poli sci major. I'm the outreach director of Readers of Chicago Democrats. Um, I'm here because we're trying to steer the message for you, the Women's March, and make it really voter oriented about pushing out the votes. Try and make it not about the message of last year, which was important and necessary, but the message for this year, which is about supporting women at the polls, getting people to the polls, and making sure we actually make this movement effective and voter oriented. So when I was downtown Friday night, I came by the park and I saw all the news stations already setting up all their equipment to cover the event the next morning. And the city had already set up all of the fencing and bollards to, you know, cordon off where the march is happening. So they're definitely anticipating a lot of people coming out today for this march. And the organizers have said it's at least as big as the march last year. Uh, which is about 250,000 people. So we'll have to wait on official numbers, but it definitely seems like people are excited for this event. Year public policy student um, here at the second women's march. There are a few less people here than last year. There's the energy is a little bit more subdued, I'd say. There aren't like people overflowing into the streets like there were last year. Um, that said, there's still a lot of like really enthusiastic, excited people out here, and it, it's great to see. Um, but I would say it feels a little bit different than last year, and I'm still trying to figure out exactly why or what that means. I'd say in terms of demographics, the audience is almost entirely white, um, or largely, largely white. Um, 
not as many children as last year either. Um, last year I saw a lot of families coming out. I'm not seeing quite as much of that. Um, there are a lot more people selling Excuse Women's me, March merch, the other side which is kind of time. interesting. Ooh, sorry, yeah, of course. This is what democracy looks like! This is what democracy looks like! I'm Dylan Stafford, I'm a second year at Chicago. I'm Jonah, I'm a second year as well. Yeah, um, I'm here just because I think um, standing in solidarity with movement's really important. Just showing up, showing you know in the media landscape that uh, everyone's still engaged. I heard there are as many people this year as last year, and that's crazy. That's what they just said. I don't know. I mean, you can't see the end of it, and that's inspiring. So. I'm here because I've been raised by two very strong women and I believe in their rights. I believe that they were amazing people who did so much for me and so I think that I'm out here today to support all the women that have made my life possible, that have been so strong for me and uh, I think they deserve the same rights that I'm given as a man and so I'm here to show solidarity and support. So that's what I did this weekend. Austin, what'd you get up to? I actually sat down with Spencer Demner, a reporter for the Chicago Maroon, to talk about the grounds of being rent dispute. Grounds of being? That's like my third favorite coffee shop on campus. What could you possibly have above grounds of being? Well, Austin, obviously the power rankings go hollowed grounds, Cobb okay. Cafe, no. grounds of being. Okay, disagree on Cobbs. Like, where do you have Harper? Harper's, Harper's four home. and then Xlib. That's where I'm at. Fair enough, fair enough. Let's see what other U Chicago students have to say about this. Large dirty chai? Small bagel? Harper Cafe is known for excellency and cleanliness. Harper is really homey. Harper is my home and has hot baristas. I think Cobb is just so bizarre. To go to Ex Lieb, it costs your soul. Ex Lieb is where the cold-hearted reg grinders go for bagels. Sterile and depressing. Hallowed is great for napping and playing pool, not for doing work. Grounds of being, oh, I love grounds of being. Grounds of being is when I want to feel like I'm cooler than I am. That's where I go. As you can tell, coffee is the lifeblood of the U Chicago student, and our student-run coffee shops are beloved by many. Grounds of being is one of the oldest coffee shops on campus and is a student favorite. On January 8th, the Chicago Maroon published an article detailing a rent dispute between Grounds of Being and the Divinity School. So I sat down with Spencer Demner, a reporter with the Chicago Maroon, to find out more. So I'm sitting down here with Spencer Demner. How are you doing, Spencer? Pretty well. How about you? I'm doing pretty well. Um, and we're here to talk to you guys today about the current rent dispute going on over at Grounds of Being. So I guess just to dive into it, Spencer, what is kind of like, how do the student-run coffee shops currently operate, like not just Grounds of Being, but the other ones that, like such as Ex Leave and Hollowed Grounds? Right, right. So what makes Grounds of Being unique in terms of the coffee shops on campus is that most of the student-run coffee shops are actually run through an office called the Center for Leadership and Involvement. So that specifically includes Hallowed Grounds, Xlib, Cobb, um, Harper, and I believe also the Harris Schools Cafe. All of those are run through the Center for Leadership and Involvement. So they're, they're student, their leadership is students, uh, but the finances and a lot of the kind of logistics of, of them existing um, are run through the Center for Leadership and Involvement. They're already integrated with the university. What's different about Grounds of Being is that Grounds of Being receives space from the university, but it doesn't have an institutional connection to the university. I guess going back to the beginning of it then, this is the root of the problem, because if it's my understanding, there was some changes to university cost structure that caused this to come about. Could you kind of go right. 
So we, we reported some on this over the summer. Effectively, what, what appears to have happened is that the university restructures the way that it does its accounting uh, and tried to standardize it more across divisions. And so some things that previously might not be part of the cost for one division are now counted in that cost. Things like you know the, the space they use and the rooms that are occupied by, say, the humanities division or you know the, the divinity school, any other division of the university, suddenly that is now part of the space that they have to account for. Uh, we also reported over the summer on you know people trying to give up space in some divisions um, as part of that document dump that you know sometimes people are trying to avoid using as much space because now it factors into their cost. What's new about that in terms of grounds of being is that for the first time it seems like the divinity school has to reckon with the space it gives grounds of being being part of its finances and part of the targets that the university gives it. And so this all the way goes back to, as you said, last summer. So how did this all start? That was under a different dean at the Divinity School, right? So when did, how did discussions start with uh, Dean Rosengarten? Right. Um, so what has happened according to Grounds of Being's timeline, and preface, by the way, on, on the discussion about the timeline, is that the university hasn't released anything publicly about basically their account of the negotiation. So what we have is what Grounds of Being and the Divinity Students Association have told us in conversations and what they published on their website. The university hasn't as yet commented on this version of events, so we can't, we can't confirm what they think of this. But Grounds of Being's account says that this all started in June. Uh, the previous dean, who, as you said, was named Dean Rosengarten, said, we think we might have to charge you rent. Uh, there was a discussion about that, sort of fizzled out as the dean was, was leaving the Divinity School. But then it sort of restarted in earnest around September. Uh, that's right around when Dean Zoloth, who's the current dean of the Divinity School, took over. Um, and then that's when a lot of the conversations that led to the current impasse happened. Uh, and this is where the Divinity School starts to reintroduce a lot of the, sorry, to introduce for the first time a lot of the demands that kind of have become sticking points, which I'm sure we'll talk about later on as well. Yeah, perfect. Well, then let's go right into those demands. So what exactly are the demands that Dean Zoloth specifically are requiring of the grounds being? Sure. So... The, the most recent set of specific demands that the university gave to Grounds of Being is that after Grounds of Being went public, the university emailed them on January 5th, I believe, this list, that basically a proposal for a series of demands. Demands said things like, you need to take maroon dollars. That's been a big issue for them because they, they're arguing there's an equity problem, that if students are on financial aid and receive subsidized dining, the fact that they can't spend that money at Grounds of Being, but that someone who's spending cash can, University says that's an equity issue. Um, there's also the question of integrating finances with the university, um, which Grounds of Being has, has attempted to do things like, for instance, open its accounting and say that we're going to release our books to the public. Uh, remains to be seen if that's a satisfactory solution, but that's another demand that's on the table. And then the biggest one, of course, is rent. The problem with the rent demand um, is the most recent version of the university's demand doesn't include a number. So Grounds of Being claims in previous discussions that the university demanded around $60,000. $40,000 of that is a rent figure that they calculated, and $20,000 is a figure for utility, which Grounds of Being disputes the amount of. Um, but it, it's not clear if the university still stands by that figure, because all they said in their most recent proposal is that they want Grounds of Being to pay, like, quote, a graduated increasing amount of rent over time. But it's not clear what that would graduate to, or like on what time scale or what the final amount would end up being. Okay, so there's a lot right there. So let's just digest point by point. So from Grounds of Being's perspective on the maroon dollars issue, uh, what were, why don't they currently accept maroon dollars at least? Like what, what is their problem with that? So Grounds of Being has sort of a 
I guess, a reputation as a cash business. They talk about the idea that that's important because they just carry so much volume, you know, that they're very popular and that they wouldn't be able to, to operate at the speed that they do if they had to take cards on everything. Uh, as it happens, they've actually caved to the university on maroon dollars. Okay. You know, they say that they're also concerned about the equity issues. And so one of the offers they made in their counterproposal is that they will, in fact, accept maroon dollars, but they won't take cards. Switching to the university's finance issues, so I guess the university's main concern is um, transparency and being able to audit them. So what if compromises have they proposed? Well, honestly, we don't know um, what, what the university's concern is. That's certainly one interpretation. And Grounds of Being is saying, Grounds of Being's response to this proposal to integrate with the university's finances has been to say, if your concern is transparency, we will account openly. So they did things like they released their budget for last year. You can see it on their website. Um, and, and they're talking about transitioning to open accounting, which would mean that they would just release their books and okay. anyone could read them. So if the university's concern is accountability, that's how Grounds Being attempts to address it. And then, so I guess finally on the rent issue, this one's the main one, I guess, is the largest thing being disputed here. So setting costs aside, right, currently Grounds of Being does operate at a profit, if I'm correct, right? Yeah, uh, Grounds of Being makes around thirty to $35,000 a year. All right, and with that profit money, they're currently subsidizing or funding, I guess, the Divinity Students Association, correct? Yeah, yeah. I, th I think it's worth clarifying kind of the relationship between those um, because in the, in the past there have been various complications, but effectively the way that the two things are organized now is that the Divinity Students Association, which does things like send students to conferences, uh, you know, provide emergency funds, organize social events, etc. The Divinity Students Association now has grounds of being as a subsidiary and then Grounds of Being donates all of its profits to the Divinity Students Association to use for things like conferences and academic support and all that. So essentially, by charging rent to Grounds of Being for the space, they're going to defund or defund portions of the Divinity Students Association like by uh, not allowing Grounds of Being to donate their profits, right? Possibly, yes. Um, so there are two kind of wrinkles in this picture. The first is that D Divinity Students Association has a second source of funding. So everyone in the college and everyone in, I think, most graduate divisions pays a student life fee, which is just a fixed additional thing on their tuition. Uh, in the college, you know, that goes toward things like student government, et cetera. In the Divinity School, that money goes to the Divinity Students Association. So they also receive around 30000 or a little less from that as well. But that money can't be used for everything. And so some of the things the Divinity Students Association says that it wants to do, things like funding people going to academic conferences, they can't fund through that money, and that's why they say they need Grounds of Being's profits. The second complication is that the university has made some commitments to saying that it might fund some of these things on its own. So in a scenario where Grounds of Being suddenly is making not $30,000 in profit, but 10000 or zero, there's at least some university offer on the table to say, we'll fund some of this. But it's not clear things like through what mechanism, like would this funding still pass through the Divinity Students Association or would the university bypass them? And also like what, what, what scale of funding? So the concern that Divinity Students has about that is effectively loss of independence and loss of control, that they're not sure that they'd have as much money and they wouldn't have as much control over where it goes because the, the autonomy that Divinity Students Association has in terms of its funding is kind of unique in terms of academic divisions and how they fund these sorts of programs. Okay, so then recently I know that Grounds of Being and the Divinity Students Association have sort of formed a preservation community, uh, committee, excuse me, um, as they called it. So how has this been playing in now that this has been formed into the discussions between the university? Like what kind of role are they hoping to play? Right, so the, the preservation committee, the Divinity Students Association Grounds of Being Preservation Committee, uh, was formed 
I believe it was initially formed, there was a meeting, like a plenary meeting of all the divinity students. Um, they agreed to vote to form this committee. All the negotiation and all the publicity and everything has technically been happening through them. So like for instance, they hosted a forum uh, last weekend, which was all about sort of getting public input and figuring out strategy. That was through them. Uh, their website is where all these documents and kind of public information about the negotiations have been released. So they've effectively routed everything through that committee, but it's not a separate organization in terms of personnel. So looking forward now, what kind of um, pass forward, like just hypothetically, do you see this possibly taking? Um, I know if from my understanding, Dean Zoloft has, or at least from Grounds of Being's account, um, she's insinuated the possibility of shutting down Grounds of Being or getting some other coffee shop to come in here. Um, again, that's just from Grounds of Being's account. So like, what yeah. do you see possibly happening? Yeah, so that, that is another thing we reported on. There's a particular conversation in November where, where Zoloth said something, the, the quote that Grounds of Being gave is that she floated the possibility of a Starbucks in the basement. Not terribly clear what that means. You know, we couldn't, we couldn't get a university comment on that, but that's just another kind of thing that's on the table in terms of how people are approaching this. Honestly, I, I would be surprised if Grounds of Being goes anywhere. From what I heard at you know the meeting, there are some faculty members there. There seems to be kind of more pressure on the Divinity School than than is immediately obvious. You know, faculty from other schools know about this. You know, it's kind of maybe doing a little bit of reputational damage. And I think that the people who are organizing on the other side sort of know that. You know, they've they've talked about the idea of trying to organize like letter writing campaigns and all these sorts of things. The idea being to put more pressure on the Divinity School. So I think it's I think it's possible that. Grounds of Being will end up paying more rent. I, I think it's possible they'll end up integrating their finances. Um, but at this point, I, I, I would be surprised if the Divinity School just shut down Grounds of Being. Thanks for sitting down with us, Spencer. Be sure to follow Spencer and the Maroons' coverage of this story as it keeps on going. And, uh, yep, thanks again. Absolutely. Thanks so much. All right, so now I'm joined by Max Miller, the host of the Maroons Artscast, and he's here to give you a little preview of what's to come on Wednesday morning. Hi, guys. So in our next episode for the Maroons Artcast, we're going to be talking about the Maroon TV. We're going to feature an interview with Haley Gruenspan, a director for Maroon TV, and she's going to tell us about her creative process for the TV show Hide Pork. Next, we're going to talk about a play that I went to go see on the North Side called The Antelope Party that has to deal with bronies and their interaction with the right-wing government, I guess, the neighborhood watch spreading throughout right-wing communities. And then finally, we'll close it off with an interview of Jacob Johnson, a comedy rapper on campus who goes by the name Average Johnson. Max, that sounds fantastic, and I can't wait until Wednesday when we get to listen to that. Me neither. So there's a number of cool events coming up this week, including one on Wednesday at the IOP, which is a conversation with Lawrence O'Donnell, who hosts The Last Word with Lawrence O'Donnell on MSNBC, about his new book, Playing with Fire, the 1968 Election and the Transformation of American Politics. That event will be at the Quad Club, and you can sign up for it on their event page. Also, there's a Human Rights in Practice Symposium on Friday in RAG 122, and the UChicago Japanese Animation Society is hosting their 17th annual UchiCon on Saturday. For more great events, you can check out chicagomaroon.com slash events. So our tech thing of the week this week is Nintendo Labo. They, these are cardboard cutouts that you fold into crazy new objects that can help you interact with your Switch in cool new ways. So there's like 
cardboard RC cars that you control with the vibration motors. There's a house, fishing rod, a piano, and even a full-size robot that kids can put on. Thank you to the UC Dems for letting me tag along with them to the march this weekend. Spencer Demner for talking to me about Grounds of Being. Thank you to Aaron Senden for his great music. Thanks to Ben Kent and the entire Logan Cage staff. And thank you to Catherine McDonald for her unwavering support of this project. I'm Miles. I'm Austin. And that's all I have for you this week. Thank you for tuning in, and you can catch us on Monday mornings at 9 a.m.